What's up, everybody, and welcome to a new edition of Diamond 750, a super regional edition as the Beavers get set to host Vanderbilt. And a best of three super regional winner goes to Omaha. On this edition, I got a chance to talk with Beaver shortstop Caden Grenier about his career at OSU, what it was like playing high school ball at Bishop Gorman out in Vegas, and almost being drafted in the first round back in that loaded shortstop class of the 2015 MLB draft. But his process of choosing to go to Oregon State, much to the Beavers' delight, plus the debate of old rap versus new rap. Got to throw that one in there. That's coming up on today's interview as well. And so much more. It's Caden Grenier of the Oregon State Beavers, ahead of the Super Regional with Vandy here on Diamond 750. Thanks for listening, everybody. You guys need to start calling me Grenier. <laughs> it's a breaking ball. He drives it into right field. It's down. Let's watch him run. Picking him up and putting him down. He picks up his third base coach into third with the slide. A triple for Grenier. And welcome back to Diamond 750. Judah Newby here with you. And pleased to be joined now by Caden Grenier, sophomore infielder of Oregon State, top-ranked team in the country, nation's number one overall seed. And, of course, we're into the Super Regionals. Beavers, one of 16 teams remaining, and they've got Vanderbilt coming into town for the Supers, just two wins away from reaching Omaha and the College World Series, and Caden joins me now. Caden, how are you, man? I'm doing pretty well. How about yourself? I'm doing well. Thanks for joining us. I understand that finals are next week on the academic calendar, and here you are trying to go to the College World Series all at the same time, and uh, you've been a pretty good student, a diligent student through high school, through college, all the way up to this point. Is it tough to balance the academic, you know, rigors of getting ready for the end of the school year while you're also getting ready to try to advance to the College World Series? Well, you know, for me personally, I've, I was uh, really fortunate to go to a really, really good academic high school, um, not only sports-wise, but there, the academics at Bishop Gorman were absolutely incredible. Um, so, I think myself personally, I, I think I uh, am a little bit more prepared than a lot of the guys that um, are on the team and in other sports. But regardless, it's it's pretty tough, you know. You, you're trying to trying to get hyped for a really big series, and uh, and you still got you know a ton of work you got to get done by, you know, whatever, whatever the due date is, and then you have to study for finals. You know, whether it's after the games on this weekend or before them or whatever, you have to find time to do it. And uh, so it kind of it kind of puts a I don't want to say a damper on the weekend because you have this uh, kind of hanging off it, but you know, it's got to get done. And, and that's kind of what we are. We're, we're student athletes, you know? And, and uh, so, you know, everybody's prepared to do it and, you know, it doesn't matter. Everybody's going to get their stuff done and we're going to come out and play the best we can anyway. So. All right, Caden. So as you guys get ready for Vanderbilt this weekend, um, you know, you've played in a lot of big games. You've been in pressure moments. You mentioned your Bishop Gorman experience. Uh, and you t- took them to a state title. I want to ask you about that moment here in a little bit. But when you uh, went through regionals this past weekend and the team went 3-0, and um, had a really nice experience beating Holy Cross and then Yale on consecutive nights, what did you make of the atmosphere at Goss Stadium this past weekend at regionals? And uh, how much of that experience do you hope is replicated in the atmosphere when Vanderbilt comes to town? Well, man, I mean, for a stadium that seats like 3,600 or whatever it is, you know, they make it sound like it seats 20,000, you know, and 
So whenever you have your crowd behind us, it's it's absolutely incredible. I, I really don't know how to describe it to someone that, you know, isn't on the field or in the dugout experiencing it. You know, it's it's just a, a feeling you just kind of get goosebumps when it starts happening. You're just like, wow, this is this is absolutely unbelievable. And, you know, when, when we get going, the crowd gets going. And, and we believe when the crowd gets going, nobody can beat us because they're, uh, they're loud and, and rowdy. And, uh, and it seems to always work out in our favor. But, you know, I, I'm not going to be surprised at all if, if it, you know, even goes up a notch this weekend because the stage is bigger and, and the team's a bigger name that's coming in. And, you know, the crowd knows. You know, the crowd's a lot of smart baseball people. They know who Vanderbilt is and they know what, what's on the line here. So. Take me back to your high school, especially your senior year at Bishop Gorman. At this point, a lot of people are hyping you up as a top prospect, and for good reason. I know you're doing a little bit of pitching in high school as well, um, but you guys go all the way to the state championship game, tied at five, top or bottom of the ninth inning, 1-1 ball game. You're up there facing a lefty, and a 1-1 fastball comes your way, and you go oppo to win the state title. What kind of moment was that like? Yeah, it's funny because you say that, and I still get goosebumps thinking about it. You know, um, it was it was it was surreal. You know, it really was. And I was fortunate enough to to be the only person on that team that had already won a state title because I was the only freshman on varsity uh, when we won it in 2012. But uh, you know, and then we skipped two years, and but just that moment was was absolutely unbelievable. You know, I had I had a lot of family in the crowd. You know, I had my my immediate family, and then I had some uncles and aunts in the stands that never really get to see me play or anything. And, uh, you know, to, to do something like that in that situation is something that I'll never be able to forget. And, uh, you know, I'm still reminded to it of either people on my team or, or, you know, like right now, like people always just remind me of it. And it's, uh, it's a really cool thing. And, and like I said, even when I think about it now and it's been, you know, over two years or just about two years, it's, it's still absolutely incredible. What is playing high school ball in Vegas? Like, I mean, that's a, uh, a market that's produced the likes of Bryce Harper, Chris Bryant, um, even Joey Gallo went to your high school, didn't he? I mean, that that's just an area yeah, hotbed for prospects. I played with Joey in 2012 as a freshman. Do you still get to keep in touch with him a little bit? You know, I haven't talked to him in a while. Mm-hmm. You know, Joey and I were never really close, but, uh, you know, when we go down to Surprise uh, to start off our season and preseason, he's always down there and I'll always get to say hi or something, but... Um, you know, it was cool to be able to play with him, you know, at least because I never got to play with the Harper and Bryant and, you know, those guys. But uh, but I did get to play with Joey and, and got to be around him a little bit. So now seeing him do big things in, in the league is pretty cool. Now, on that note, did you also, I'm not sure if you were classmates with, uh, is it Cordell Brodus, Snoop Dogg's kid? He, he went to Bishop Gorman yeah. as well, did he not? Yeah, Cordell was there my senior year. And uh, and Snoop was at every single one of the football games because Cordell was on the team and <laughs> and uh, so just just for everybody that was so cool because everybody loves Snoop Dogg and he was just the coolest dude and you know it, you could go up to him during the game and ask him for a picture and he'd be all about it and uh, so yeah that was kind of cool that's fantastic that's fantastic so uh, what do you have Snoop walk up music or are you going a different direction for your walk up. No, I got I got a little bit of Ti going right now. I've always always been a huge Ti fan. Um, really? But yeah, yeah. I like. Uh, I'm definitely a more like. I like the not older rap hip hop, but definitely like early 2000s, late 90s type. So Ti and Snoop and um, Dr. Dre, Eminem, those type of guys. Oh, dude. Okay. 
So what do you what did you think about paper trails? That that was I know that was a little bit later than the the time you were just referencing, but I loved that album. That album's fantastic. I think I have a Spotify playlist going right now, and uh, and I think I have like 130 songs on or something. And at least five of them are from that album. It's good. It's good stuff. It's good stuff. And then I'm always on the old Kanye is way better than the new Kanye, and. You know, I don't know. For me, it was the stuff in like my middle school days and the early high school days that was always better. I don't know. Do you feel the same way? Is the new is the new rap that's coming out from these guys as good as as the old stuff? No shot. I feel I feel the same way you do. Like yeah. when Kanye came out with with his graduation album and and uh, and some of the other ones. You know that that was my brother. My brother is six years older than me. He was going through high school, so he had all of those uh, albums and stuff. And so I just naturally just took them and started listening to them. So I grew up listening to the old Kanye and uh, all these, you know, throwback albums. And now you listen to them today and you're kind of like, you know, this isn't even the same stuff. Like you just listen to like, I was talking about like Little Lane the other day with uh, somebody and I was like, his old stuff is absolutely incredible. And then his newer stuff, you're just like, you can't replicate how good these guys were back in the early 2000s and stuff, though. Give me Diamonds. Give me the whole late registration album. Give me uh, Kanye's Mr. Carter. I'll take, or excuse uh-huh. me, Little Wayne's Mr. Little Carter. Wayne's. I'll take that stuff any day of the week. I really will. And it's not to say that oh, Life sure. of Pablo's good, but, um, you know, I, I'm with you there. Uh, you mentioned your brother, Justin. I know he played Juco Ball and. Um, reading up on you a little bit, you're pretty close, obviously, with your mother, Julie, and your father, Mark. Uh, there's a lot of baseball blood, I feel like, in your family. Is that right? Do you guys just kind of live and breathe the game together? And did a lot of your baseball passion come from your family? Oh, absolutely. You know, my dad, when I was growing up, was, I mean, to start, my dad played um, a year in college. I can't remember everywhere he played, but um, he played a year at a, at a Jew, or community college. And then obviously my brother played a year at Butte community college when I was, uh, finishing up my middle school days. But, you know, my dad, as I was growing up was working, uh, for the, at the time it was the Las Vegas stars who were the AAA team in, in Las Vegas and, uh, and who are now the 51s. So I grew up around, you know, a AAA organization. I grew up going to my brother's baseball practices and games and, and then, you know, just being around all that baseball and, and that's all I ever wanted to do. And, uh, and so to have my brother there to teach me a lot of stuff with my dad and, you know, you, you couldn't ask for a better setup. Who's your favorite big league team then? The Los Angeles Angels. Were they an affiliate of the 51s at one point? No, uh, since I've been around, it was, it was the Padres to start off and then they went to the Dodgers the Blue Jays, I believe, for a couple years. That's why I ask because they've been, they've been around like half the league. I feel like. <laughs> yeah, no, that's they they've been switched off a couple times, especially in the last ten, fifteen years. So as I move into this next portion of the conversation, I got to tell you, I'm a St. Louis Cardinal fan, and um, okay. you may know where this is headed, but <laughs> 2015. Yep. You walk it off, you're a state champion, you're moving into the next phase of your baseball development, there's a chance that you can go into the first round, it's a draft that's absolutely loaded at the shortstop position, both high school and collegiately, um, Swanson, Bregman, Ryan, yourself in that conversation, and um, you and the Cardinals are going back and forth with discussions in the lead up to the draft, and then it becomes draft day, Monday 
June 8th, and there's a very good chance that you go in the first round, Caden, the first round to the St. Louis Cardinals. And yet you have to be responsible at that point to set a price. You're, you're a senior in high school, and you have to set a price of what you're willing to, uh, to accept to go and pursue your professional dream all while trying to make the best decision for you. I can't imagine, just saying it out loud, I can't imagine what I would have done uh, going through that experience and ultimately you do not sign or you tell the Cardinals, you know, they, they did not meet your asking price. Um, but, man, that had to have been tough. Can you walk me through that? I know you've done it before, but can you walk me through what that experience was like? Who were the people that you were talking to and listening to? And how hard was it at, you know, 18 years old pretty much to turn down the immediacy of pursuing your dream of professional baseball for the sake of making a decision that was in your best interest? Well, I mean, just, just off of the way you just described it, you know, it you just look at it and you look at the decisions that, you know, at 18 years old, you know, you're, you're about to try to make a decision that could change the course of your life. You know, at 18, you're not even out on your own yet. You don't like, you've barely been driving for two years. Like it's, uh, it was, it was crazy. It really was, you know, um, I spent all of my senior year filling out questionnaires and stuff and, uh, having scouts in the house and, and talking to a ton of different people and, you know, and just what, what got me through was, you know, I have a very, a very intelligent family and my mom was just the best during that time with giving me advice and stuff like that. And then we had a, a family advisor who was helping me out, you know, Cause you know, people that have been through it, you know, we hadn't been through it. My brother didn't go through it. So it was our first time, you know, doing this. And so to have, you know, a bunch of good people around, we had some family friends that are scouts that were kind of like, you know, look at it this way. Like they're, they kind of stepped away from the scout side and, and just were our friend and helping me and stuff. And, you know, but it's a, it's a great experience to go through because, you know, just look at it. Like you you have a chance to be a professional baseball player, you know, right out of high school. And so I say like, I had to fill out these questionnaires, but I'm sitting there going, this is a great problem to have. You know, they might be annoying because you get 30 of them, but like you might, you're the only person in this school in this school filling these out right now, you know? So it was incredible, you know, and then the day came and, and uh, you know, it, it, Unfortunately, it didn't work out the way that, you know, we expected it to or had hoped it to. But, you know, the draft was always plan B anyway. You know, plan A was to get to college, get a scholarship and play in college. And then plan B was like, well, if they give you enough money, then, you know, we'll go to plan B. But, you know, and, and that didn't happen. So now I'm just going with plan A and it's working out pretty well. Yeah, I'd say so. I'd say so. So you do call up Pat Casey after you realize you're not going to go in the first round or the second round. You say, all right, yep. Oregon State it is. Let's freaking do this. And Nick Madrigal, who, you know, is a 17th round pick of the Indians, and you guys, your names will be paired together for a long time in Oregon State history, and Beaver Nation will all be uh, watching you both simultaneously into your futures with Pro Bowl. But Madrigal comes as well, and Pat Casey went on the record saying, look, I didn't expect to get both these guys. I mean, it's it's an incredible blessing to have both of these top-prized national recruits come to Oregon State at the same time. But, Caden, what I'm fascinated by is the dynamics of you turning down or, or not being able to uh, you know, come to an agreement with St. Louis or any other team, and then you're in a positional battle now. You've played shortstop your whole life. I mean, you were the shortstop of the state champs at Bishop Gorman. You walked him off for a state title. 
You come into Oregon State, there's Trevor Morrison playing shortstop. He's played there for two years. There's Nick Madrigal, another top infielder. And now you have to move over to third base, um, which I know, look, it's only a matter of a few feet from third base to shortstop, but it's the culture of the (laughs) thing, man. I mean, shortstop is the position on the diamond. And uh, here you are at the end of your sophomore year, you're back at shortstop, but between the time that you started as a freshman to where you are now, you've played a lot of third base. You've played some second base. Now you're at shortstop. You've hit leadoff. You've hit eighth. You've hit ninth. You've been all over the place, man. What have you, how, how have you gone about that process? What have you learned about yourself? And uh, how have you grown as a baseball player, given that you came in with, with so much uh, excitement, but you've really had to be flexible and malleable with your talents, both defensively and offensively? Well, you know, it's a pretty simple answer. I'll put it this way: is is what I realized, especially in high school, was I always played my best um, when all I was trying to do was help our team win and make guys around me play better. So the fact that Coach Casey was pretty much like, "Hey, we're going to need you to play third this year," and mind you, coming in, I hadn't played more than a combined ten innings ever at second and third. Wow. You know, so for me to to make that move was pretty tough at first you know but um like i said you know it it is it's whatever you know the team needs you know if you pay attention to the start of the season started the whole season at second but especially in surprise and in some games early in the pack i would move from second to third late games you know and just uh it's kind of like it's just one of those things where, where coach casey likes to do a lot of different um a lot of different things with our lineups and and so you kind of never know where you're going to be hitting or at the, at the start of this year, you know, Nick and I never knew who was playing short, who was playing second, because you could just easily flip flop us, you know? So really my only focus was just no matter, you know, where you're put in the lineup, you just, you just got to go out and play. And, you know, the whole goal is, is to win. And so it didn't matter if you were like on the top stage, the, the main stage at shortstop, because you're right next to it second and you're still playing and you're still helping the team win, you know? So for me, it wasn't, it didn't bother me that much. And, uh, and when you have someone like Nick right next to you and, and Trevor last year, it's like, <laughs> wow, like this is a really good infield, you know? So you look at it and just go, you know, I'm just, I'm just happy that I'm, I'm right next to these guys and I trust them over at short and, you know, I'm going to do my job over here and we're going to win. So, you know, you say that, but it's so much easier said than done. And, you know, I don't know whether you know it or not. I feel like you're uh, pretty mature for your age, not only as a ball player but uh, as a college student. I don't think there's, I don't think any given ball player would have handled that transition in the same way. I mean, everybody wants to say what's well, best for the team, but then when it actually comes to deciding consciously, look, I'm, I'm going to forsake my own interests for the sake of the team. That that is pretty rare. Do you think that is a a quality in yourself that is uh, that sets you apart, your ability to lay aside your own interests for the interests of the team. And I honestly, I'm I'm not asking to butter you up. I'm asking because I'm genuinely interested because it is easier said than done for a player just to just to say that and not mean it. But you've had to actually go through it. Oh, and 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 to be quite honest with you, like I'm not going to say that there wasn't a moment in time where I was like, I want to be playing short, like I don't want to be here, like that's going to happen regardless. You know, I played short my entire life. So for me, I was like, you know what? Like, I just want to be over it short right now, you know, but um, like you said, like I can, I can just put aside and just be like, you know what? No, I'm going to play here. And because this is where my team needs me right now. Like, 
And I think that's why our team this year is so special is just about everybody is like that. You know, even the guys that aren't playing, the guys that come off the bench, they're like, you know what? When I get in the game, I'm going to do whatever I can to help the team win. And if I don't get in the game, I'm going to cheer and be loud and, and encourage the other guys. And so I think our whole team has that mentality right now. And that's just, that's absolutely perfect for a baseball team. Well, that's the you recipe. Know, for myself, I, yeah, yeah, go ahead. Myself, Sorry. I think that's, that's just how I've always, I've always been like that. And, um, you know, because baseball is not about yourself. It's not about you. You know, it's about a team and trying to win. So the results speak for themselves. 52 and four. Um, you're one win away from setting a new program record. Um, and I know you're a pretty conscious uh, fan of the history of, of baseball as well. Uh, are are you aware of, of what you're doing in the context of Oregon State baseball? And um, from what I imagine, you probably are a keen follower of, of, of Major League Baseball history, too. And you've got your eyes set on making an impact in uh, at the big league level again at some point. But how aware are you of the historical context of what you guys are doing in Corvallis? I don't have the slightest clue. I'll be completely honest. I have no idea. You know, I honestly, like, I show up to the field, I play, if we win, I go home happy, and I do it all again. You know, I don't really look into, oh, our record's 52-4. and four. Uh, We need one more win to do this and three more to do this and five more to do. Like, that's just not how I work. Like, sure, I know the history of Oregon State. I know who's come through here, what they've done. But, you know, in the season, I'm not sitting there going, you know, I don't even check my own stats. Honestly, I don't know what my batting average is. I don't know how many RBIs I have, how many doubles I have. I, Cause I don't care really, you know, but yes, I'm dead serious. You know, I, I, like I said, I honestly, I show up when they tell me to show up and I just play, you know, and, uh, there's a lot of times during the middle of the season where I'll be like, Hey, are we traveling this weekend? And somebody go, dude, are you serious? <laughs> like, is that a dumb question? Like, uh, yeah. Like, oh, okay. But I, I really just, you know, I, I try to just live, in the moment, you know, especially when you're playing baseball, just you, you go one pitch at a time and, and all these historical things are just, uh, as Alan Yeager, who's a, a great, a good uh, buddy of mine, big baseball mind, he, he would just call it drama, you know, uh, it's just all drama that goes on outside. So when you're on the field, you know, when we were going through that huge winning streak at the, at the beginning of the year, nobody thought of it, you know, nobody was sitting there going, Hey, we need to win two more games so we can have the longest winning streak in Pac-12 history ever. Like, that never came up once, you know, and for me, I didn't even know until we were like the day before they're like, Hey, if you guys win this, you're going to tie a pac over a Oregon state record or something. I was like, Oh, that's cool. <laughs> like, it's just, it's just funny because I, I, I don't really pay attention to that kind of stuff. And, uh, I think that's good too, but I, hey, I don't know. Yeah. That's probably the best, uh, healthy mindset to have when you're not thinking about it. That allows you to play loose, play calm, play as yourself. And that's uh, probably one of the reasons why you guys have been, so relentlessly successful. Caden, uh, I left a lot on the cutting room floor here. Next time we get a chance to talk, I want to ask you all about your culinary interests and uh, <laughs> your cooking ability. That fascinates me. I could probably learn a thing or two about that. But uh, we've run out of time here today. But I appreciate you uh, taking the time, and uh, I'll be down there for the Super Regionals this weekend. Uh, best of luck in your preparation. And as you get set to to host Vanderbilt at uh, Goss Stadium and Hopefully we'll be talking to you again next week with the Beavers moving on to Omaha. Thanks a lot, man. Yeah, absolutely. No problem.